Hi, and welcome to Girl Talk. Join me and my closest girlfriends as we navigate life, love, and relationships. Each week, we will discuss a new topic and address it head-on with personal experiences and learned lessons. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining this week's Girl Talk. I'm your host, Britt, and today we have a very special guest by the name of Melina. Melina and I actually go way back before I had kids and lived in San Francisco. And she is just such a ray of light and a positive person. And today she'll be discussing her um, journey through getting a very serious medical diagnosis and how she was able to cope with that and keep her amazing, positive ray of light, sunshine personality through all of that. And um, just the advice that she shares for anybody going through this and what that journey was like from a personal um, standpoint. So thank you so much to Melina for joining us. And with that, we'll get started. All right. Thank you, Melina, for joining us. I'm so excited for you to be here. Um, Just a little backstory for all of you. Melina and I actually met when I was working in um, San Francisco, remote, kind of a remote office location for um, a company in Nashua, New Hampshire. And when I went to visit, Melina and I just really hit it off. And she is just so much fun. And I'm so excited for her to share this story. So thank you again, Melina. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Of course. <laughs> okay, so I guess we'll get started. So can you tell us a little bit about um, your age, where you were at this time when this happened in your life, and how you discovered that you had um, this health issue? Absolutely. So um, the when this first originally started, I was 26 years old. Um you know, it's been quite a journey that we'll dig into a little bit further down the line here. Uh, but I was 26 and uh, feeling on top of the world. And this was kind of one of the big, this was a big health scare for me um, because it started off not really knowing what was going on. Um, so when you had reached out, you know, to talk about this, I, I'm very excited, but nervous because putting it out there just makes you feel vulnerable. But I've also discovered that vulnerability is is absolutely a beautiful thing as well. 100%. I totally agree. <clears throat> so I'm not sure how far you'd like me to dig into this, but I can give you some cliff notes if you'd like. Yeah, go right ahead. Tell okay. us tell us what you got diagnosed with and maybe what the signs were when you were, um, like what was going on that made you even think, oh, I need to get this checked out. Okay, Perfect. Uh, so I was losing, um, I was having some complications with my left eye, my vision, uh, very spotty, very pixely in a sense. That's only really the only way I know how to explain what, what was happening. Um, there were f- some fading issues. So I thought to myself, oh, you know, the computer screen has finally gotten to me. It's time for me to get glasses. So <laughs> <laughs> I said, it's, that no big deal. Go and get some glasses. So uh, you know, went to uh, get fitted. They discovered some issues and uh, said, no, there's some neurological issues going on there. So they actually ended up sending me to an ophthalmologist that um, diagnosed me with optic neuritis, 
which uh, for any people out there know optic neuritis is a very, very common symptom of multiple sclerosis. So that started a journey into um, testing, uh, many different types of testing to, because uh, MS is a clinical diagnosis. There's not one thing that obviously says, yes, this is what it is. So months of testing, ended up getting diagnosed with MS, uh, was treated with MS for about 10 months. And, um, you know, that was, that's a whole nother story. But, um, you know, I just was having a hard time with some of that treatment and medications and said, you know, I want to get another opinion. So went down to Massachusetts General Hospital, <clears throat> excuse me, to, uh, you know, get their opinion. Um, they ended up sending me over to, for an MRI, which discovered it was a different type of MRI, I believe. Us. They called it something, it was something with the sinuses. It was just a whole different type of MRI that we didn't have up in New Hampshire. So uh, that was, di it was discovered. I had a brain tumor on my optic nerves and pituitary gland, and I was in surgery a week later. <laughs> so, wow. Okay. So that happened so fast. So what, when, okay. So when you were initially diagnosed with MS, what were your thoughts about that? Cause that does not seem, I mean, obviously MS is serious, but hearing you have a tumor in your brain is obviously even more shocking. So how was your initial reaction when you had MS? I was so scared because MS is so unpredictable. Um, you know, they, the, the, the prognosis has come a long way that it was a long time ago. Um, but the, the scary thing with MS is it's unpredictability. You know, there could be some days that you need a wheelchair. There could be some days that you're totally fine. Um, there's vision loss, there's uh, slurred speech, there's all kinds of symptoms that, you know, the, like I said, the big fear with MS is just the, the progression. And um, when it's, you know, you go into basically kind of remission, or it'll, it'll flare up, and then it kind of goes away and this and that. So with MS, I was very, very scared. And one of the turning points of my fear with that is I had a, um, a con a uh, counseling visit and they gave me a notebook that was made specifically for MS patients that had a day-to-day -day journal of how I was feeling or what has happened or anything like that. And that's actually when it hit me of, oh my God, this is, this is like, this is reality and this is potentially a really, really big deal. So. And the rest of your life, right? Cause there's no, cure, there's, so. there's no, there's no cure. Um, not to say, you know, there's some, I, I know people that have MS that are doing absolutely amazing. You know, they have flare-ups, but then it goes away. And, and like I said, this was, this was over 10 years ago. So, you know, as you know, how quick medical, uh, you know, it's the technology is just unbelievable. So it was very scary. I had a home nurse once a week because I had a catheter that would change, you know, and different parts of my arm uh, that I would have to um, drain a bag of steroids into myself to beat this thing back. So it was just, I don't even know if I fully processed it, to be quite honest. It was yeah, like, well, how do you, I mean, I don't right. even know how you would, how you'd start. So that makes total sense. Exactly. Exactly. And by the time I, I truly was starting to accept it as well as my family, because <laughs> it's a hard thing to swallow, um, is when I had gone down to Mass General and then uh, got a whole different diagnosis. <laughs> so it was like a whirlwind. Yeah, freaking roller coaster. Yes, absolutely. And when I got the diagnosis of having the the you know meningioma, brain tumor, 
I don't know if I was relieved or if I was just so numb from already dealing with this other diagnosis that it honestly was like, okay, let's go do this. Let's, let's do it. And my, I'm kind of a hypochondriac and a little bit of a wuss with certain things. So after my parents even said they couldn't believe how well I, I don't know, I, I felt like I had to be strong for my family because of how scared they were. And I just went to a weird place. It was almost like, I'm going to do it. I know I am and I don't care. And I was, I swear, I mean, yes, I was scared, but I was more of like, let's get this thing over with. Let's get this party started so I can be on the other side and start healing. Um, it was very surreal. I don't even know how to explain it. You go into a different realm almost of, of strength and just... I don't, not numbness, but at least I did, you know, I, I just went to a place where I just said, it's going to be okay. And I need to let go. I don't have control over this situation. So instead of fighting it, you just, you have to just go with it. You have uh, to just be strong. Cause there's no you other, have to other just option. Be strong. It's all you have. It's all you have. And there was a saying and not to get spiritual, but there, you know, there was a saying out there. It's like people plan and God laughs, you know, yeah. We all think we've got this control, right? We don't. <laughs> no, we don't. And, and that teaches it to you. <laughs> it definitely does. Oh, it so does. And I feel like that's exactly what it is. It's that you don't have any other option but to just go through it. You know, it's almost like a fight or flight, you know? Right. And I said, I'm going to fight. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. It's, so uh, when, it you, weird. when you say your family was, I mean, obviously so scared for you, is that, do you think that's what kind of put you in this place where you were the calm and they were the storm? Somewhat. Yes. I mean, they were of course all supportive and I'm sure hiding their fear as, as we all do with anything that's somewhat traumatic. Um, but I just, you know, I think that a lot of it was, like I said, where I was a little bit of a hypochondriac. I wanted them to know that I was in a good headspace about it and, and had released that control and that, and that worry, you know, I, I handled, going and getting brain surgery better than wisdom teeth. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, I'm telling you, it's, it's just a weird feeling of just saying, you know, this has to be done. It has to be done. Um, we're, and we're going to do it. And I'll deal with the, the aftermath once I'm on the other side of it. Totally. I yeah. I can't be getting myself all painted into a corner with what if, and, oh my goodness. And what if I never wake up? And I mean, don't get me wrong when they were rolling me down into the operating room, there were some thoughts like that, that were popping up at that moment, but there weren't really up until then. Yeah. Because uh, the fear will debilitate you. You know, you don't have the luxury. You. Totally. Exactly. Exactly. And I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to let this dictate how I'm going to choose to live my life. Um, so yeah, my, in my family, my immediate family was absolutely wonderful. Um, of course, you know, we are close, fortunately, but, uh, you know, when you go through anything traumatic, it is very eye opening of how others react, family, friends, significant others, um, you know, you'd be surprised of people you thought would be involved or compassionate, um, aren't <laughs> and people that you think that you don't even talk to on a regular basis are bringing you trays of lasagna. 
mm-hmm. you know it's just very it's very interesting um i don't know if it's you know as with anything a lot of people don't know what to do they don't know what to say they don't know what to do so they avoid the situation which i'm not saying is wrong I'm, i mean i'm sure i've done it in my life but it's just very eye-opening because it happens on both sides of that fence from people that you'd never expect. Yeah, I could totally imagine that. And I don't, I'm kind of just a fan of leaning into the uncomfortability. And I think sometimes, at least this is just how I come at it, is I would rather acknowledge it and say, you know, I'm sorry versus ignoring it because, yeah, I feel like you're going through something and you can't just ignore it and sweep it under the rug. So, but I, I know what you mean when, I mean, when I had my miscarriage, I felt like, you know, certain people just almost didn't acknowledge it because it was too mm-hmm. uncomfortable for them. But, right. you know, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But yeah. Yep. So I was going to ask if you lost friends over this. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily losing people out of my life, like completely just poof gone. But I did learn a lot about who I should and should not, uh, invest myself into um, yeah if that makes sense totally you know, it, it just it shows you know there was some real disappointments through this and you know my significant other and I we unfortunately we weren't strong enough to go through this process um, you know we weren't strong enough to make it through this whole process um, still together and that obviously was a was a big hit and as well as even some family members, um, you know, and, and some friends, I'm not saying everything was done on purpose because we're not perfect, right? None of us, of course not. But there's people that I, I just know to not invest myself into, um, because if someone's not there with your tragedy, your lowest time, exactly. You know, if someone's not there through your tragedies, they damn sure hell aren't going to be there through my triumphs. So um, I love that. Yeah. It's, I don't hate them. I don't hate them. I just know where I stand um, or they stand um, in my life. Totally. And you just said it, It, invest in it, right? It's not that you don't hate them. You're just not Mm -hmm. investing. Yep. It hurt. uh, You know, it, it did really hurt going through it because we're all the, we're all, uh, you know, our own center of our own universe. And you feel like, why doesn't this person care? And why aren't they doing this? You know, there, there are some of those like pity party moments, of course, you know, you're down in the dumps, you're feeling, you're hurt, you're tired, you're can't, you feel alone. And, you know, there were those moments of, you know, why, why haven't I heard from them? Or nobody cares, nobody understands, but you can't stay in that space. You know, you, you really can't. And another little I have all these dorky sayings, but another little thing I loved is just like, you know, you can go and visit that dark place, but you can't stay there, you know, go visit it, go, go do that, but come back because on the flip side, there were so many people that were unbelievable to me um, outside of, of course, my mother and my father and my sister, you know, in a lot of my dear friends, there was so, I had such an amazing support team and hence why if, now, if I, if I know someone's struggling, you know, I'm such an empath and so compassionate now because I feel, I know what it feels like to just feel 
hopeless. And that sounds so dramatic. Not at all. No way. You had a brain tumor. (laughs) I know, but I just feel like the way that I felt through this and I had an amazing support system of how other people that aren't just as blessed in that department must feel. So I just, I'm such an empath when it comes to anything like that, because all, sometimes all it could take is someone to just say, Hey, how are you? So it's changed me in the positive for that. And, you know, in that direction, of course, but yeah, I would say, you know, I haven't necessarily lost anybody out of my fit, out of my life, um, outside of those that were willing to go. <laughs> yep. They made their own bed kind of thing. Yep. Absolutely. And I said, good night. No. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So I want to also talk about the, like you had to shave your head. Like it wasn't just like you went into surgery. It was like, there were some, there were some, you know, I guess, and this seems superficial, but like some sacrifices you had to make. And I mean, I know that sounds so stupid, but they say like your hair is your crown as a woman, you know, and to shave your head, that's a big deal. I mean, yes, it is, but get this. So they said I would have to shave my head all along. You're going to have to, sh- and I have, I have like a lion's mane. So I love your hair. Yes. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just beside myself. Like you said, it, it's like, really, that's what you're worrying about. But you know, it's, it takes years to grow. It does. It does. <laughs> dang it. It does. So I was so horrified. And one of my best friends, she, I didn't know she was doing this, but right before my surgery, she shaved her head. And oh my God, even talking about it could choke me up because I just, and she had a lion's mane too, but she shaved her head uh, right before my surgery. So she, I wouldn't be alone. Oh, and don't tell me they didn't end up having to shave your head. They didn't. They did it. (laughs) She ended up with the shaved head and you did not. Okay. Yes. I mean, I had like a ship, a a strip shaved, but enough that I couldn't cover, you know, because I had very Uh long hair. So she shaved her head. Fortunately, she looked amazing. Like, you know, she, I, everyone was calling her like Amber Rose. Um, she looked amazing and she rocked it for a while. Um, you know, and I was just like, this is unbelievable. And it was that act that more than, she, you know, anyone would ever know how that just changed. It meant the world to me because it just was so selfless and just a beautiful, you know, gesture. Um, totally. And she rocked it. So you know, there she, and I feel like that was a way to <laughs> help her out for do, doing that for me when I didn't even need, um, didn't even need to shave it, which is just hilarious. <laughs> I know. And I've seen your, I mean, you've showed me the scar. It's like, it's like a little snake path throughout. Yeah, like, I know. I mean, Thank God. Most of it's hidden. 70 staples. Um, 70 staples. Yes. Wow. Multiple. And did they say how big the tumor was? 10 millimeters. Mm-hmm. Wow. A little over, I think they said almost 11, 11 millimeters. Um, you know, with, like you said, with superficial things, there were some, there are some physical changes. Uh, you know, I have um, several plates in my face and in my eyebrow and um, like on the side of my head, there's some dips and there's some divvies on my forehead. And fortunately, um, you know, I just put filler in it. <laughs> I just yeah. bought, I did some filler um, that helps kind of even everything out, which is a beautiful thing. Unfortunately, not covered by insurance, but um, 
you know, I to kind of even that out because it's, uh, you know, it, it, it is noticeable, of course, I'm my own worst critic, but, um, you know, there, there is some, some deviations in my forehead and on the side of my face, but again, it, it's <laughs> silly talking about it when I could not be here to even complain about it. So totally. Yeah. Totally. But these are the effects that you have for the rest of your life. So I yes. totally understand. And was it, and did the tumor end up being behind your eye? Is that where it, it was? was? It was behind my eye on my optic nerve and on my pituitary gland. Um, with the extraction um, of the tumor, uh, I, I did lose some of my eyesight. My left eye is about 70% and my right eye is like maybe 80%. Still overall not bad, but I do have a very hard time with like my peripheral vision. Um, my colors are off and things of that nature. But overall, I mean, I, I made out very, very lucky. I can't complain. Yeah, totally. And so I'm assuming you don't have MS then. This was no, that actual... no, I do not. No, I do not. I officially, uh, you know, do not have MS, which is just wild that 10 months I was treated for it. You just never know. That's why I encourage anyone that has a diagnosis to get a second opinion. Always, always, always get a second opinion. It's so interesting that you bring that up too, because I think that as the general public, we just assume when we go in and a doctor, you know, says that we have something, that's just the truth of it. But I mean, if you think about it, they are pulling from what they remember from textbooks or from Mm -hmm. school and nothing is ever a concrete, you know, you have this unless, unless you go see multiple people. So I think that's a great great um well look how different we all are you know we're all different shapes and sizes and colors and beings and it's just i I, anything that you know is is serious or uncomfortable or i would i would 100 get a second opinion always yeah smart (laughs) so after you got the surgery what was recovery like for you um it was interesting (laughs) it took me a very long time um Tired, very, very, very tired. Um, The thing with when you have brain surgery, when you come out of brain surgery, you um, need to be cognitive when they wake you up before you're put on pain medication. So that was just, that was unbelievable because you're woken up with no, you know, no pain meds. Um, Obviously, you're completely out of sorts because you're just coming off of anesthesia, but you have to go through some like, uh, you know, Cognitive testing. Yeah, some cognitive testing before they can then go ahead and um, get you back on some medication. So that was pretty terrible. (laughs) But I was in the hospital a week, came home. I did go stay with my parents because, you know, you're basically um, very, very tired, exhausted. I mean, go literally getting up and going to the bathroom and back laying down would be enough to fall asleep again. So very, very tired for a long time. Um, That, you know, and then it you know, human bodies are just amazing. You heal and then you just are kind of getting back to getting back at it. But I would say for probably three months, I did not feel, I did not feel right. Um, very, very tired still. I started working part-time um, just after actually a couple of weeks from home. Just, I think uh, where I work, Microdesk, I think they probably were like, yeah, we'll give her something to do. <laughs> Because I was so bored just sitting there. So I was doing just a couple of kind of mundane things to stay busy. And because it's 
you know, it's boring. You're sitting there every day laying in a hospital bed, whether you're in the hospital or at home. So um, I did that for months. And then, uh, yeah, it, it did take, I'd, I'd say, almost three months to start feeling, okay, almost back to yourself as far as what your energy level is and things of that nature. Uh, but they do say it takes about a year. You got to give yourself a year to, to be the best you ever will be after, you know, a brain surgery. And I would, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, I would imagine. What when you did you feel like your brain was like different when you woke up? I know that's like it's kind of a silly question, but I would imagine. I mean, like, are, are you able to think and process things? Right. So, yes, I definitely. You're you're a little fuzzy, <laughs> um, okay. but, but it didn't really. What this isn't so much like any of the thinking processes or anything of that nature, but it. The ner- there's a lot of nerves that takes place that they're not to be gross, but they're cutting through. Um, so I do have quite a bit of um, misalignment. <laughs> I know that's probably not the medical term, but I can scratch my forehead and feel it in the back of my head or my, my head could be itchy, but I can't, it's still numb. Like <laughs> I, I still do have a lot of numbness and uh, tingling and things of that nature. So not so much like my thinking or anything like that outside of just being uh, fuzzy with just the, you know, just the, uh, the whole experience of what took place. It was more of things like that. Oh, that would still be very, very, very weird. It's, yeah. still, it's still doing it. I mean, it's still, it's still alive and well. <laughs> so, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. A lot of numbness and tingling and things of that nature. And so are they still monitoring for this, like to come back or is it? Oh my goodness. Yes, 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 yes. So I guess I should probably throw this in there. So um, I was monitored every, cause they got 95% of the tumor. Um, they didn't take the last 5% because I would have lost my vision. They left it there because they want, they didn't know for one, how uh, aggressive the tumor would grow if it would. And they didn't want to risk me losing my eyesight. So they left it. So I was monitored every three months um, for like a year, once that came clean, it was every six months. That was for a year. And then it was every year. And on my fifth year, it came back. It was discovered that it had come back. I was getting the same symptoms again. So I went down and unfortunately it did come back. So, um, they said brain surgery again, which I just was horrified because now it would have been the other side. Um, but they ended up calling me and the, um, head, um, radiologist at mass general said, you know, we're going to, we're going to do proton therapy radiation, which I guess there's only 10 or 12 uh, facilities in this whole country that offers it. Uh, so I'm very blessed to be able to only live an hour away from Boston. So I did radiation for that, uh, which, you know, two months of radiation. And that was, you know, I was very, very tired um, going through that. And unfortunately what happened with my radiation is it, it, it was a success because it did fry the rest of whatever was taking place. And I'm uh, five and a half years clean at this point. Um, But it also did uh, radiate my pituitary gland. Um, So with that, I ran into quite a quite a few issues that are lifelong at this point with my thyroid and my hormones and my adrenal glands and my and can you uh, tell us everything. what that gland is, the pituitary yeah, gland? Yeah, so the pituitary gland, it's that little lima bean. Uh, it's very small, but it controls everything as far as um, the messages that it sends from your brain to your thyroid, to your ovaries, to your adrenal glands. Um, it controls your metabolism. It controls 
Oh, wow. Um, yes. Important job. It's got a it's lot of very important, important jobs. Yes. So I am on a lot of medication, um, you know, daily to supplement since my brain, you know, I don't have anything wrong with my thyroid. It's my brain not telling my thyroid. So, um, you know, I'm on a lot of medication for that to, and that's actually been quite a struggle. And I'll be honest, if I could go back and get the brain surgery again, I would have, because as horrific as it was, I knew what it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I knew what it was. And then it's like, okay, you heal and then you move on. This was a silent, uh, you know, it was like silent, a silent but, killer, basically. Yeah, it was silent, but it, it did a lot more damage than, than the brain surgery itself. So that's actually something I'm still working through. Um, I have appointments often um, to balance out, you know, my medications and blood work and, and things of that nature. So that is something that I'll be dealing with the rest of my life. But again, when I get all ho-hum about it, I just have to be thankful that, you know, it's a, things could be so much worse. And I just need to remember that I am lucky. But oh, this that's one that just really gets depressing because I have never felt um, like I did before radiation. I'm, I'm not the same person. You know, I my energy level isn't the same. Luckily, I was very hyper, so I'm still, I still have quite a bit of energy, but it, uh, you know, I, uh, as far as women things, I, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm pre-menopause right now because my body is not, you know, not acting accordingly, uh, that we're working through the doctors with that because, you know, if I ever want children, um, I don't think it will happen. They, you know, I'm going to need assistance, um, mm -hmm. you know, if I, if I want to have children, which... My, my clock's running down, but still, I haven't canceled it out completely. Um, and, like, weight is fluctuating. Um, you know, it's, it's very – that's the wearing part of all of it is just – I just want to feel like myself again. But uh -huh. this is the new me, and I just have to – I have to be thankful that, like I said, that I'm here to even bitch about it. Um. Sorry, I swore, and I'm not sure if that's allowed. Oh, no, that's totally fine. Bleep it's me rated out. rated explicit. <laughs> yeah, so bleep me out. <laughs> I want all the raw feels anyway. Okay. So, yes. Okay. So um, that's, that is I, unfortunate. That's a challenge uh, because that's one, like you said, you can't, someone, you can't look and touch and, you know what I mean? It's, and it makes me feel so bad for other people that are going through things. Like I said, I, I'm such an empath now where when someone's struggling internally with something, whether it's medically, mentally, emotionally, it's, you know, from the outside, yeah, everything's great. Everything's fine. But nobody knows what I'm feeling on the inside. And they only know as much as you tell. But it's sometimes I, I just I don't like to talk about it because I feel like a broken record. I think about it often. So talking about it is not my favorite, you know, yeah. because it's like I'm a, I, I want to get away from it. <laughs> Yeah, you want to yeah, let, stop letting it take over your life. But I think I think the the like thing that people don't realize is like you're grieving for what your body used to do. You know, there's a loss there. You're grieving for what something that your body is supposed to do, meant to do, was doing and right. now it's not anymore. And so there's just a loss that you're grieving for that I don't think that people think about like in those terms normally that there's like a loss that, you know, that you're experiencing now. Yeah. And it has actually made, um, <laughs> it's made it very hard to date because, well, for me, maybe other people are a lot better at it. I'm a horrible dater anyway, but it's made it very hard to date because 
I don't even want to deal with this issue. Why would anybody else is how I look at it, which is something I'm trying to work through on my own because I know that's the wrong way to think, but I can't help it. Um, you know, what if there's a day, let's see, I play the what if game, um, you know, that I don't feel good or I'm having an off day and then I have to explain it to that person. And what if they don't get it and they get, uh, you know, upset or um, they want to get, they want to know and get close to me, but I'm not ready for that. So what I've been doing, which is wrong, is I, I isolate from dating, um, which is, like I said, that's maybe, maybe we can do another uh, episode. On that. <laughs> because, I'd love to. That is not a good thing, but that is something that I'm working on because um, I deserve, uh, you know, I deserve to be with someone amazing and, um, and vice versa. But that is, that's a, that's a, quite a hurdle for me is you don't opening want to be somebody's burden. Yeah. I don't want to be someone's burden. Um, which again, then I think I'm like, what the heck? Why, why are you thinking like that's that? That's not right. Yeah. Exactly. I know. 100%. I know. So that is seriously, that's something that I'm trying to work through. Um, because it, that's not right. Someone, um, you know, I, I have a lot of other things to offer besides <laughs> hypopituitaryism. Yeah. So, uh, so. A medical issue. 100%. I know. When I, it out loud, it's, it, when I say it out loud, it sounds so silly, but it is, you know, deep, deep in there, you know, it does keep popping up. And so I am, I am trying to work through that. That's one of the negatives I've taken from this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that is something that, you know, that's not an easy fix. That's something that is a lot of work internally to fix that too. So. Yes, absolutely. It really is. Okay. Well, I guess the last question I have for you is, well, I guess I have two more. So how do you feel like you got to where you are today mentally? Like just being, I know that there's obviously still work to be done. We just talked a little bit about that, but I mean, you are in good spirits. You've been in good spirits since I've known you. I mean, of course everyone has ups and downs, but you are a positive outlook type person. So how do you keep those vibes? So thank you. Um, I think it truly kind of does go back to when all of this was happening. I, I said to myself, okay, you know, this, this sucks so bad, but what are you going to do? Are you going to lay down? Are you going to lay down and just feel sorry for yourself? Or are you going to fight and say that this isn't going to be your identity and this is not going to control what your future holds or what you're going to do with yourself. I, again, was very blessed that, you know, this, this, um, was caught and, uh, you know, I did, I did go to some counseling. I will admit that, um, to just kind of help with processing all of this because I don't know as much as some, sometimes I'm, <laughs> sometimes I'm too in touch with my emotions and sometimes not enough. So I was, I did go to some counseling to help me kind of balance out and connect the dots on those. Um, but honestly, remaining positive, finding, finding something to do to eat up the noise when you are, and what I mean is, you know, if you're having a hard go, um, for me, I started horseback riding. Or for another example, there's, I ran some 5Ks. You start reading. You just, you kind of try, you get some positive things in your life. Things that, that are nourishing you. you. Yes, yeah. that are nourishing you that you can also see results, you know, results from. Mm-hmm. Um not something that, you know, not something unhealthy, obviously just eating up your time, but there's a lot of noise that goes on. I just did it. You just saw me do it. What if, what if, what if, what if, um, you know, something making different challenges for yourself and it can be as easy as, you know, I was, this is so corny. I I wrote poems. (laughs) 
That's not corny. Oh, I think that's God. beautiful. But it's just I did some short stories, writing, and I had a journal of the way I was feeling, whether it was like a three sentence or three pages of of things I was feeling. And I'm telling you, it was like, you know, bleeding out on the paper. It felt so amazing. Um, I've done things where I've written everything down, then burn it, write it on a Chinese lantern and send it out. Only if it's biodegradable, of course, but <laughs> yes, there's so many different tactics. And I would love to anybody I know that's struggling. I would love to talk to, talk to them about things that I tried that worked for me. But I'm telling you, a lot of it is mindset. And I said, I'm not going to do this. I'm not letting this take over. Damn it. I'm, you know, I'm in my twenties. I don't care if I'm in my sixties. We've got one go. We have one go at this and it's just, I'm not, I'm not going to let this be what takes down Melina Taylor. So love it. Love it. Right. I am not going to do it. So, um, I do have my dark moments, but, um, that's, obviously you visit you don't stay there I visit I don't set up shop you got that right yep yep (laughs) right exactly (laughs) all right so I guess this is the final question so for anybody out there that is you know given a medical diagnosis or is you know dealing with something similar to you um what would be your advice that you'd want to share with them okay um so an elevator pitch here (laughs) Um, (laughs) no if someone going through this is for one, you have to be an advocate for yourself as much as you want and sometimes need, which I'm speaking just like I said, from my own personal experience to someone to scoop you up and say, it's okay. Or for someone to tell you it went away or whatever, which I did want (laughs) is, you know, you, you have to advocate for yourself. If, If you start getting in the backseat, um, you know, being a backseat driver in your own life, and on your own medical journey, you're not going to get as quick results as you want. And you're not going to be able to, um, you know, be in front of the right people. You know, I say that, like I said, with MS diagnosis, I said, something's not right here. I just don't, I just don't feel this. I just don't know. So, you know, you advocate for yourself and push it. And did I want to hear the other answer? Absolutely not. But, you know, you, you have to do these things in life, not just medically. Um, and, and if, and God forbid, you know, when you do get a diagnosis that is awful or scary or whatever the case may be, um, I don't want to say do your research because the internet is a very, very scary place. Um, (laughs) it truly is, is to talk about, you know, to talk about it with those that you hold very close to you. So you already have like your cheerleaders or a support team, um, right there for, to be along the journey with you. Absolutely. When someone's telling you that they would go to your doctor's appointments or they'll drive you or they'll come take that (laughs) they're offering because they want to, you're not a burden, you know, you're not, they're not saying it to, and for any other reason, just to help you out. And that was something that I struggled with in the beginning, but I'm telling you, it is soul cleansing and it's so much better. Um, And I guess something else um, that my radiologist told me when I was having a, you know, a bad day down at, down at radiation because my eyesight wasn't coming back and I just, I felt like crap. And she said to me, you know, you, if you can't change your circumstances, change your perspective. And it was a one-liner that I still apply 
in my life to this day because it's so true. Like if you've got something terrible happening in your life, um, my best advice would be to try to look at it from a different perspective to see what else might be there that you just haven't noticed yet or envisioned yet, because there are things there really are. Like, like I said before, um, you know, this has healed me in a lot of ways. I'm a better, I'm a better person through this whole experience because of, like I said, empathy and compassion and, um, you know, and positivity. Of course, there's been some negative along the way, but I just, that would probably be my one liner to close this out with is just, you know, if you can't change your circumstances, change your perspective, because I'm telling you things could always be worse. Um, not that it's a comparison to some, obviously somebody else, but we've got one go and everything's a learning experience. Some obviously are worse than others, but there, there is a shining light tucked away in there somewhere. You just have to change your view. I love that. So yeah. true. So it true. Is. It really is. And I've had to apply it many times in my life. Believe me. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that goes, that's universal for anybody. Absolutely. Right? So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Melina. This was so fun and I'm so glad you were willing to share your story. Oh, of course. I mean, everyone's is different, but, um, I don't mind talking about it. it you know, honestly, something like this is, is healing for me too. <laughs> it really Good. is. I'm I'm glad to hear that. I, I I think it's fun. I mean, I think it's fun to, that we all have this story to tell. I mean, literally every woman in my life that I can think of, there's a story I, or an episode I want to record with them because we all just have so many different stories. There's no one out there that has it all perfect. Just, you know, we're, oh, God, we're all no. going through it. So absolutely. Absolutely. No, but thank you so much, Brittany. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye. See you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Girl Talk. Before you go, please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a review so we can get the feedback. Thanks so much. Talk to you all next week.